0: Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast designed for women in ministry. I'm Bridget Tomlin, founder of Sanctuary, a ministry for ministry wives. Our desire is to break free from isolation and foster authentic connection. Let's Redefine Sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary. My name is Bridget, and I'm just so glad. I want to welcome each of you that are taking your time. I know your time is so valuable to listen to this podcast and just want to welcome you, if you haven't already done so, to go back and listen to the episodes. We've started this just in September of this year, 2020, and already God is using this and some of the unique perspectives that our guests are bringing to the table. And so we're just honored that you're here and that you're giving us of your time. What I would love is if you would give us the honor of your recommendation. So if you have a friend who's also in leadership or in ministry and would be willing to share Let's Talk with Sanctuary with her, we would just love that. Nothing thrills us more than to have the opportunity to connect and uh, provide support for those who are serving in leadership and women who are in ministry. It's one of the greatest things on the planet but also some challenges come with it and so we're in this thing together we'll also be announcing a prize winner at the close we've been challenging um, our listenership to provide rating and review for our podcast on your favorite podcast app so we'll be announcing a winner of a sanctuary surprise box that we'll be happy to send to the mail Uh, for those who've been uh, participating we'll be drawing that name at the close of today's episode. My guest today, I'm so excited to introduce you. Many of you may already know Sheila, but for those of you who do not, let me just share a few details about her because I know you're going to love this girl from Tennessee. She is the founder and president of Save One, an international outreach for men, women, and families that are suffering in silence after an abortion. And she holds a master's degree in biblical counseling. She's the author of 10 books. Goodness, I didn't know that. Save One, A Guide to Emotional Healing After Abortion is her first book, and it's been translated and distributed in 20 languages. And Say One was founded in 2000. And so throughout that time, she has just uh, traveled around the world speaking on the topic of abortion recovery. She also has more than 300 chapters in 25 countries, people that are reaching out and ministering to those that are suffering after abortion. So Sheila and her husband Jack planted Crossroads Church and pastored there for 11 years before working together now full-time at Save One. They've got two awesome sons, and they now live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I know that you are just going to adore this Southern girl. So Sheila, thank you so much for joining us today at Let's Talk with Sanctuary. I I'm just... I have been anticipating this conversation, and I know it's going to be so incredible. Thank you again for giving us of your time. Why don't you share with us a little bit about kind of the makeup of your ministry and and a little bit about, about yourself personally?
1: Oh, sure. And thank you so much. It is truly my honor to be here with you, Bridget. I've watched Sanctuary over the years, and I love seeing all that you're doing Uh, But just to tell you a little bit about me personally, I'm married, I have two sons and one just got married and we are so thrilled that one of them finally got married. We're one step closer (laughs) to grandkids and uh, we have a grand dog right now. Um, But uh, thinking about my, uh, that's my personal life, but my ministerial life, I founded Save One back in 2000. We've been doing this for 20 years in 07. My husband and I, after building Save One for seven years, we planted a church. I kept doing Save One. He was working on the church. He would come and help me when I, he could. I would help him with the church when I could. Mm. And so it was like we were, were doing these two ministries together, but separate. You know, yeah. like just we were juggling a lot. But we planted a church in 07. We pastored that church until 2018 when God very clearly spoke that my husband should come and work with me full time at save one. And so it was a gut wrenching, gut wrenching just moment and decision for us to leave that church that we loved so much, but we knew that that was what God's will was. And since he has come on board, save one has just exploded. We've almost doubled in size his uh He has taken over the men's portion of what we do, and it's just been phenomenal. You know, when God's in it, it, it usually is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> well, certainly, and I think, you know, even as you're talking about walking away from your church plant, it'd be kind of like a parent leaving their kiddo behind. Yes, it's
1: exactly what it was
0: like. Wow. We know when God speaks to us, and we know the peace that comes with obeying Him, but it doesn't come without that little bit of a... Free fall moment when we just put ourselves out there and do that—that's yeah. remarkable. Well, a few years ago, you know, you and I have become friends across maybe a phone call and text message here and there, but we haven't really gotten to hang out a whole lot. <laughs> you're one of those people, Sheila, that I feel like we've been friends for a long time. But uh, that
1: means a lot to me. Thank encountered
0: you, you uh, and what you're doing with Save One, which is we're going to talk about that at some point in this episode because I think it's so so needed. Right now, really, on the timeline of where we are as a nation, and a lot of the things that we're uh, grappling with um, from the top down uh, regarding abortions in general. But I want to uh, just start out our conversation today referencing a blog series that you wrote a few years ago, and I will never forget. It. I, I received the first entry into that series. By email from you and I was reading through just the first paragraph and I I was just like, oh man, okay, so I really need to pay attention here. We will be republishing that throughout the month of November, and it will be a weekly publish, and I know that you're going to enjoy this series. It's called Bye Bye Burnout, but you talk about you and your husband visiting at the time one of your church members who was in the hospital dealing with something that was not fatal, Um, but you you relayed your experience as you were walking down the hall after having Done this visitation, so walk us through that experience and kind of share a little bit about what you were feeling at that moment.
1: Well, it was crazy for me because I, I I didn't understand it at the time, but we went to visit this girl who you know was at our church and and like you said, she wasn't suffering from anything fatal, but she was sick enough to be in the hospital, was hooked up to tubes, had an IV in her arm, you know all this mm-hmm. stuff, and had to stay in the hospital for a couple of days and we went and visited with her. And then I remember just thinking when I left, I felt jealous. And I remember thinking, why? in the I'm walking healthy out of this hospital. <laughs> why am I jealous of this woman laid up in the hospital? And it was like I knew she could stop. She, got, she could stop. And everybody understood it was okay for her to stop. For a yeah. few minutes because she was sick. And I thought she she's not feeling guilty for stopping. She's not feeling guilty for laying in the bed for two or three days. And I felt jealous. And I remember just thinking, what in the world is that? I had no idea at the time. And so I just kept going. I just glossed over it and kept going
0: at that point. When I read what you said, and you shared that uh, in the first entry, I thought, yeah, that sounds kind of nice too. <laughs> and I think that every, uh, probably most every woman has felt that way, and probably some of the men, we don't know really. Um, but definitely women in ministry would identify with, we might not own it quite as readily as you now do, uh, feeling <laughs> jealous, but have definitely been at that moment at least once in our lives, if not more throughout the course of seasons, we try to learn from each of these seasons for sure. But being able to acknowledge that feeling at that moment, what kind of conversation did you have with the Lord, even in grappling with the fact that you felt jealous?
1: Well, I remember talking to the Lord about it, like, what What in the world is that? And I remember thinking, well, I should be able to stop and it'd be okay. But mm-hmm. in my own mind, I felt like I, I, but I can't because I've got to keep going. I've got to keep producing. I've got to keep writing. I've got to keep be, showing up at church and being happy and with my smile on. And then I've got to go run this ministry and I can't stop. There's right. no way that I can stop. And so I, I just believed this this feeling of, uh, I, if I if I stop, you know, if I take time off, then it's going to be really bad for us. And that's what led me into this whole season of burnout where I learned so much about, uh, about taking Sabbath rest and the importance of it.
0: Yeah. So tell us really
1: what burnout looks like. Well, I had always heard people talk about burnout mm-hmm. and I, I always thought they're really tired. They must be really tired. And I thought, well, if, you know, if I ever suffer from burnout, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll take a vacation and burnout is, is deeper. It's, it's like, um, it's not a good night's sleep will fix it. It's not a week long vacation will fix it. It is like your, if I had to explain it, it's like your soul is empty, if that mm. makes sense. Okay. It's not that your body is tired. It's like your soul is empty. And I, I realized I uh, people laugh at me because I'm real dramatic. You know, it's like I'm way up here or I'm way down there or I cry really easy. And, you know, everything's like a big deal. And I have to act it out. And and I remember being in the, in this part where I could not remember the last time I got angry. And I couldn't remember the last time I even cried. And I couldn't remember the last time I was really happy or really sad. It was like I, I was just living in this flat line. Okay. And I, I, I can't really explain it. But it's like I started realizing I, I have no emotions. There there was nothing there. I had nothing to give people, to to try to minister to people. It was just all out of my head knowledge. It, it was just a, a horrible thing. Place to be because I thought I don't know how to fix this because th- this is this is more this is deeper than we just need to take a vacation and go lay on the beach for a week we we that's it's more it's deeper than that.
0: If I remember remembering correctly, you kind of related it to being a little bit like the feeling of jet lag mm-hmm. in yes. emotionally maybe spiritually, unpack that just a little bit.
1: I remember uh, I had never had jet lag before. And then when you have jet lag, you're like, oh, this is a different, this is a different level of tired. Like mm-hmm. I cannot go on one more step, I have to lay down. And it's kind of like that. Like you get to a point where you're like, I can't speak to another person. If someone else, if one more person asks me to do something for them, I'm just gonna lay down and die. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like you have absolutely nothing to give and it's a horrible feeling. And it, it, it is a lot like jet lag, whereas you don't have anything left. You're just at the breaking point or you're just at the brink of being done forever. And it was one of the first times that I ever thought, like, I don't even deserve to be in ministry. I, I shouldn't even be here because I have nothing to give anybody. And, and and I feel like that's when we do that, when we let ourselves get to that point, that's when the enemy can come in and mess with us. And I feel like a lot of times that's why we lose so many pastors from the ministry mm-hmm. or pastor's wives. It's because they get to that burnout phase. They don't know how to fix it. And they just feel like I'm done. I don't have, I'm, I'm just done. I don't have anything else to give. It's a, it's a sad point.
0: Yes, and as women in ministry, we, we have such a struggle with admitting that we're there, mm-hmm. acknowledging that we're there, and owning it. Uh, I You know my husband and I have been evangelists for it'll be twenty we 're in our twenty third year now and i 've sat across the table from countless ministry wise which is largely why sanctuary even exists because I have listened and and witnessed more of what is going on than what is even said i i 've said this to my husband before, and i 've been in a place I would say probably um, that would be defined as burnout before, so I know how real that can be and is, but I've watched specifically pastors' wives, if they don't feel like they can quit, because that's, I think, what leads us to burnout, right, is the belief in our minds and in our hearts that we cannot take a break. They will somehow default to either they will find a job at a career that keeps them so busy that they are simply unavailable to the work of the ministry, or the church for that matter. Many of them become chronically ill because, you know, it takes a toll on them physically, but the emotional, you know, uh, stability is not there. They become chronically ill or they walk away altogether. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we were beginning to formulate this podcast, and I was having a Zoom meeting with my team. We we're talking about the why behind even starting this right now. My assistant was doing some some Google analysis and doing what she does in the way of giving me some kind of uh, research and resources behind what it is that I'm trying to get to. And she said, "Oh, this is tragic." And we're all talking, and she's typing away on her laptop. And so we stopped and, well, what in the world? And she said, you know, when you look up the highest search from people who claim to be pastor's wives, the the peak search for pastor's wives right now is divorce. Mm. And that number, Sheila, from April of 2020 to May of 2020 skyrocketed. Oh, my goodness. And so that's where we find ourselves when it comes to what we're talking about today in the way of burnout. And why do you think that women in ministry especially find it so difficult to admit that they are really there?
1: I think a lot of times it's hard to admit because it's somewhere that we've messed up and Mm. we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to mess up. We're We're not supposed to have some kind of sin in our life or have this huge downfall. And so to, to say like, oh, I, I didn't keep one of the 10 commandments. And, and I I feel like that's where it all starts is keeping that Sabbath. For some reason, we think that rest is not necessary. Like, and it's looked down upon. When was the last time somebody told you they couldn't come to your party because they had to stay home and rest? You know, nobody ever says that. (laughs) No, but because they know it would be frowned on. Like, what do you mean you can't come to my party? You got to stay home and rest. Yeah. I mean, it, it would because it's so socially unacceptable. Mm. And so we've got to get back to that place where we take that that ten, that commandment as seriously as we do the others. Yes. We wouldn't call our parents and cuss them out. We honor them. We wouldn't go around committing adultery. That's sacred. But why? Do we take this one and we act like it's not important the moment we take our work. And this is what happened to me. I'm not, I'm, I mean, this, I, I, this was something I had to learn for myself. The moment I took my work and my title and my responsibility, and I placed it above what God had told me to do with it. I, it became an idol. It became this Pride and arrogant place that I was working out of because I knew more than God, evidently because <laughs> he he gave me these boundaries for me to work in I could do anything i want I could work a thousand hours in six days, but on that seventh day, I'm supposed to rest <laughs> and it, and to me i mean this i mean some people get legalistic about it, and that's okay but I just feel like if you take a 24-hour period, sometime within that seven-day frame, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or it's noon Tuesday to noon Wednesday, as long as you're getting that Sabbath rest in a seven-day period every seven days, I think that God smiles on that. It's a boundary that He gave us. And when we overstep that boundary, that's when we step into sin and that's when we start messing ourselves up. And I think that's why it's hard to admit, mm. because it's sin. It, I mean, <laughs> it, it, when you look at it, that's yeah. what it is.
0: Yes, when we know to know what to do and we don't do it. Yes. As the scripture reminds us, that is sin.
1: Well, that continuation, me and my husband both, it, we hit it at the same time. We went into a building program and, and didn't take a day off, I know, for more than a year. And that's when it just got so bad that we, I, I I would lay in bed at night and think, is my husband going to die? He was drinking Pepto-Bismol straight out of the bottle. It it was just, it, and it was because of this building program that we were in, but we both felt like we can't stop. We've got to get this done. We've got to get this building built. And it. that's what led to just our complete fallout when we realized we have not, we have not kept sacred what God told us to keep sacred. And that's what that's what messed us up so badly.
0: I think that this is a powerful insight that um, I would say a huge majority of people in ministry overlook. mm mm-hmm. Because it feels wrong for us to quit the work of the Lord. Mm-hmm for rest. And you're right, it is a cultural anomaly. It's just one of those things was like, that must be nice. You know, we, we know how that that response is, even on social media, you take <laughs> a picture of yourself, uh taking some time to rest, who gets to do that, you know, uh, <laughs> must be nice that you have a break. And it's almost a, a it is so negatively perceived mm-hmm. uh, that people have shoved that aside in order to kind of follow the culture's lead on that so true
1: and and I feel like there's a lot of shaming involved oh absolutely someone who may be looking at that post of you propped up you know taking some rest will and they feel bad about themselves or they get mad at you for taking the rest then they have to shame you to make themselves feel better it's so true But let me tell you, I was reading a book the other day. This is like, I told my husband, this is the cultural, how it seeps in to our thinking. I was reading, this was written by a Christian man and it was a leadership book. And it was one of those leadership books that I love. That's like, just, you know, like go full force, gung ho, you know, like go forward. You can do it all, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said in the, his book, he said, when someone tells me they have to take a day off because God took a day off, I tell them, well, when you create the universe, then you can take a day off. Wow. And I remember I was just like, are you kidding me? That is so unscriptural <laughs> to to put that in somebody's mind. Well, I didn't, no, I didn't create the universe. God must have had to take a day off. That. It's he he led by example, and that's what we have to do, as pastors and as pastors' wife we wives we have to lead by example and take that Sabbath rest. There's no shame in that. It I'm passionate about this subject because it absolutely changed my life when I got this concept. I quit resenting ministry. I quit resenting the church because I knew we started taking off Fridays and we would call it Free Friday. And we would turn our our phones off and we would just be free. Like we Mm -hmm. would just do whatever we wanted to do on all day Friday. And uh, we had a lot of people who at first would get mad at us Mm -hmm. because they couldn't get a hold of us on Friday. Even though we had a whole staff that could easily answer questions, but they would get mad at us. But finally, we taught them how to treat us and people started when we started preaching about Sabbath rest and taking a Sabbath and how important it was, people started thanking us like it 's like almost like we have permission now to go and take a day off, and it 's okay to do that. It is scriptural, we are commanded to do it, and for some reason in America, we just we feel like we can 't, but it absolutely changed my life when I got this concept down.
0: I want to take just a minute here to share with you about one of my new favorite finds. Lindsay Culp is actually the engineer and producer of today's podcast and does a fantastic job. But one of her greatest passions actually as a pastor's daughter is to offer her resources, the wealth of her knowledge in the way of social media, graphics, and video design to the local church. And so she's offering a brand new business. In fact, you can find her at lindsayculp.com. CULPCreative.com and you can find out all about what she's doing right now as she harnesses the power of a creative producer and provides that same wealth of information and resource at a fraction of the cost you're going to find elsewhere. I know for a fact that your church, your ministry, your personal passion are going to benefit so much from the creativity and insight and really relativity to ministry outlets. I want you to check her out at Lindsay Culp, C U L P creative.com and learn more about what she can offer to you today. So let's talk about some initial steps you took practically, but also spiritually speaking to, in essence, dig your way out of that dark place of burnout.
1: Well, we did one of the greatest things we could have ever done. We knew we were going to be done if we didn't get some time away And so we went to our district superintendent and we talked to him and he suggested we take six weeks, but we had literally just gotten into this building. So we said we're going to take three weeks, which is really wasn't long enough. I wish we had taken longer, but we took, we took major steps. We went and bought another phone and nobody had that number except for our children, certain members of our family, our executive pastor, and my assistant at Save One. And we, uh, I, we told our family, call us on this number all you want. You know, we want to talk to our family. <laughs> but we, we told our executive pastor, and I told my assistant, don't call us unless somebody dies. And mm-hmm. we were serious about that. If someone dies, you could call us on this number. But uh, uh, for these three weeks, just let us be be away. You know? And so we prepared the church. We told them we've got to have some time away. And they understood. They were even like, Y'all are looking really tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were getting a little worried about you guys. But um we went away for that three weeks. And I remember we were so hooked on our phones, Bridget, that we had to like sit there and we were like, Okay, are we ready to turn our phones off? And so we were like, Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? It, it and it took us like forever. And finally we were like, okay, I turned it off. I turned it off. Mm. And and our phone was literally off for three weeks. I put my phone away. I did not turn it on. Neither did my husband. We made every day so purposeful. We made sure every day we were spending time with God. We were writing. We were journaling. We were going out into nature and walking and It was like all we did for three weeks was drench our soul with God. And it was so incredible. We still talk about those three weeks. It was life changing. We started and we had so much time because it was just me and my husband just sitting there in the quiet with nothing to do (laughs) because we had no work. Nobody was calling us. Nobody could get a hold of us. And so we went to a cabin in the woods for about a week and we were able to have long conversations. Where did we go wrong? What did we do wrong? Where, you know, and, and it all came down to, we, we did not take a day off. This is a command from God. We put our church, we put our work ahead of God and that was a sin. And we lived in this sinful lifestyle for a year of not taking a day off. And so we were like, we, we, after having these conversations, we were able to pinpoint that's what we did wrong. And so we're not going to do that again. We repented to God. We turned around. We were like, you know, we just, we were so sorry and so ashamed. We went to churches where nobody knew us and we just sat on the pew and did nothing. And filled out a visitor card. And (laughs) it was so great. Like we had not sat together in church in more than a decade. And so it was incredible that three weeks. But we were very, very purposeful on what we did and getting away. And and all the conversations that we had. And then we had the non-negotiables. When we go back, we're not. It is a non-negotiable to not take a day off. And sometimes, you know, we do get busy and sometimes it it is like we have to schedule it in and go, okay, we can start at two o'clock on Wednesday and, and we won't work again until two o'clock on Thursday. And I feel like God smiles on that. It's like we, we got it in. It's not like a legalistic thing. It's what we have to do. It's needed. And so those were our practical steps that we took to get over this and and when we came back after 3 weeks it was we were new people it was amazing what God did in those 3 weeks
0: you know i think that it's something and i've re- i've talked about sabbath before i i will confess i am not flawless at it uh, it's something that i'm working at i feel like i have i'm better at it now than i was 5 years ago um in in the way of putting boundaries in place Um, boundaries that make other people uncomfortable, perhaps, in the way of, you know, safeguarding your schedule, safeguarding when you respond, when you don't respond to text messages or emails, those kinds of things. But I think in practicing Sabbath, in many ways, for a lot of people, it could be very similar to practicing um, the tithe. Um, It's something that doesn't make sense.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's, you know, adultery, that's kind of a a clear, well, why, why you wouldn't or shouldn't break that commandment, and you can go down the list like you're talking about with the commandments. But with Sabbath, it's kind of like the tithe. It doesn't make sense that 90 cents should work better than 100 of the dollar. You know, why would six days be as efficient as working seven. But it takes an act of faith sometimes to put ourselves out there. Of course, God himself was like, just try me out on this tithe thing. Let me just prove to you that I I am going to be a keeper of my word when it comes to these things. But I believe that that's really the case when it comes to Sabbath. I know that we have a lot, I'm I'm connected with a ton of ministry wives who, when we talk about the concept of Sabbath, they look at their lives and they start figuring out how in the world... Am I supposed to support my family? You know, Many of them are bivocational. Some of them are three and four jobs. Many of the husbands and wives are trying to support their families and still do the work of the ministry, pastor at this church that can't support them. Then they've got all their children's activities. And, but it, I do really believe that it is something that we have to stop and pray about and ask the Holy Spirit to show us what has to be removed in order for us to be obedient to what he's saying. What would you say to someone that's really grappling? Because we have a lot of ministry families. They would really love, it's an ideal situation for them to be able to walk away for a three-week Sabbath. And how, how in the world could they possibly ever do that when they do have all these other factors involved? So what do you say to that family? Well, I, I have
1: had those conversations before. And what I sure. say is that you, you can't not do this. If you are suffering from burnout, God will provide a way. It doesn't mean that you just go carelessly through it, but just start working in faith toward that, toward that, um, that goal. Okay, so like you, you want to have a three-week sabbatical. You feel like you're in burnout. You feel like you, you need some time away. Start talking to people about it. Start opening up and saying, we're going to take a three-week sabbatical it may be two months from now, but we're going to do it. And people will start coming around you. God will provide a way. Yes. They'll say, yes, I'll watch over the phone while you're gone, or I'll keep your son the first week. Or I'll, I mean, whatever your obstacles are, it can be done. And as far as a day off, a lot of, I've heard people a lot of times say, there's no way, there's not a day that I can take off. And I'm like, you, you can't not. <laughs> because you're just messing yourself up. When you look at it from a sin standpoint, when you think about, okay, this is this is really, really bad if you're not keeping that one day off per week. When you start looking at it from a sin standpoint, it's like you, you realize, oh, yeah, I have to. I, I can't. Hmm. I can't opt out of that one commandment and only keep nine and think that my life is going to be blessed. Yeah, I'm going to mess myself up. I'm going to mess my family up. I'm going to mess my future up. I'm going to mess my church up if I don't follow these commands that God has given me. He was serious about them. And if there's ever been a time that we need to have that clock reset once a week, oh, it's yes. right now in 2020. That's for sure. Because Completely. we have so much pressure, so many things pulling at us from all different directions, crazy things that we never thought we would be dealing with. So having I look at it as a, a clock reset is it is a time for soul care when you take those that twenty four hours off. And and like I, I tell people all the time, don't get legalistic about it. If if you're if relaxing is yard work then go do yard work. Or if relaxing is just laying on the couch watching movies all day, do that if it's going to have lunch with a friend and that's relaxing to you. Just take yourself out of your normal routine and allow God to minister to you. Read books about soul care. Read the Bible, which is so gratifying and satisfying. It saturates us. Do things like that. And I'm telling you, God shows up. When we draw near to Him, He always draws near to us. And so just start working by faith in that direction. And I'm telling you, God will provide a way.
0: That is so, so good.
1: If we just keep saying, I can't, I can't figure it out. We're just looking at it on a human level. Yeah. We're not allowing the supernatural to come in and provide
0: the way. Yes, and I'm always reminded of that scripture that says, you know, He desires obedience more than sacrifice. Yes. That's good. It's It feeds us, whether we'd like to admit it or not, it feeds our pride for us to essentially put ourselves on that sacrificial altar. And Lord, I'm just going to be completely consumed and burned out and, and just completely worn out for your cause when all he's saying is, I just wanted you to obey. I'll make do. I'll make good on everything else that you're doing if you will just obey, mm-hmm. if you'll just exactly. obey. Hey, Sheila, before we go, I, I don't want to give this um, a backseat because what you're doing with Save One is so, so crucial and definitely timely and, I'm, timely. and I'm so glad to see that God is giving you increase. Talk to us here about what you're doing with Save One and how this vital ministry came about.
1: Well, it came about through my own abortion pain, an abortion that I had back in 1985. And I just spent the next seven years in a virtual hell on earth because I couldn't figure out how to deal with this pain of Mm -hmm. this past abortion. And so I finally found my way to a Bible study, much like the One Save One offers now. And it gave me back my life on a silver platter. It was like they reintroduced me to a Jesus that I knew in my youth. They reintroduced me to him as, oh, he does forgive the sin of abortion. He hasn't totally rejected you because of this sin. And so I I haven't been able to be quiet about it since then because I was in this self-imposed prison and he let me out. And that's what I deserved. And he showed me grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I want others to hear that same thing. But what we're seeing is when we help men, women, and families recover after abortion, they are they are the ones that become the loudest truth tellers. They're the ones who become the, the greatest advocates for life. They become the leaders in our churches. They become the volunteers at pregnancy centers. It's It's just been amazing to see. And one of the things that we see happen is that they never choose abortion again, so we're ending abortion in that mm-hmm. bloodline, and they're, they're being pro-life and showing their families that abortion does have consequences. And so we're ending abortion that way, but then they are also becoming these voices in our communities that are telling the truth, because we're not hearing the truth except from the people who have been there and are willing to tell that truth. And so we, I, I, when, ever since we started Save One, I have felt that abortion recovery is the key to ending abortion in our country and around our world because Revelation twelve eleven tells us we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we do this by duplicating ourselves. We start chapters in churches and pregnancy centers around the world I've written three Bible studies, one for women, one for men, and one for family members. And you can invite anyone who is abortion wounded to your small group at your church, and they can have their own book and be like it may be a grandmother of a child who was aborted, or it may be a man who paid for three abortions back in college, Mm -hmm. and he's now grappling with the, the guilt and shame of that. And so they'll each have their own book, but they, each week they, uh, they're all on the same subject. And so it's okay. easy to have the whole family in there and minister to them. And so it's just been beautiful. It's, it's a, we, you were talking about how big the ministry is now. You don't grow to that size if there's not a need. And there right. is a huge need for recovery after abortion.
0: Wow, that is absolutely incredible. How do, um, you know, pastors or even communities for that matter, find the, you know, the information or, or what do they do in order to start a chapter in their local community?
1: Well, you can check us out further by going to saveone.org. That's our website. You can order all our resources on there get a t-shirt that says Love Life or uh, any of our books that we have available Uh, And you mentioned the Island Living book. It is available on uh, the SaveOne.org website as well for pastors. Yes, the book that you
0: wrote exclusively for pastors' wives.
1: Yes, it's on there as well. Uh, But uh, being a chapter is free. We just want you to take our curriculum and start using it as part of your small group program. So if you get on there, there's you. It's all self-explanatory. If you go to SaveOne.org, you can click on for pastors and read about what pastors are doing and how you can minister to those who are hurting after abortion and help fight the abortion issue in the process without being political, without Mm -hmm. being controversial. It is literally just the church being the church and helping those who are wounded recover through Jesus Christ.
0: I love that so much. There are so many people and I, I love that you ministered to everyone that was impacted. It's not just to the woman who experienced that, but there are so many that carry that and it's not really been something I don't think that has been addressed as widely as what you're what you're doing um in walking that entire family through healing and essentially breaking that cycle like you're talking about. I love that so much. Well, awesome. You. Well, uh before we go, just let us know again how our listeners can connect with you. Um, whether that be on social media, of course, we've got your website. We'll have that in our show notes. Tell us about where you're at on social media.
1: Uh, We have a Facebook page that we are very active on. And then we also have Instagram that we are very active on. So find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook, like our page, follow us on Instagram. We would absolutely love that. And if you want to email me or email my assistant, you can write us at info, I-N-F-O, at saveone.org. And we would love to help you if you need healing, if you want to ask questions about the Bible study or tell us your story or whatever, we would love to talk to you. So uh, just write us on info at saveone.org or follow us on Instagram. We would love to meet with you. Fantastic.
0: Well, thank you again so much, Sheila, for giving us this time. And uh, I know that our listeners are going to benefit from this blog series. And we could have talked a lot longer about that today and would have been fine (laughs) by me. Uh, We want to uh, respect everybody's time, but we will have you back again. And I would love to continue. This is a subject that we need to keep talking about when it comes to Sabbath and taking time to rest and honoring the Lord by obeying that command that he's given to us and then trusting him to make good on the investment that we've given him in those other six days. And I love that you're so vulnerable about this personal experiences, uh, just make such a a great impact in, uh, when we're making those decisions and how to, and how to move forward in our own decisions that we've got to make about that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bridget. It was my honor truly to be here. Thank you. This has been great. it, it's been wonderful to have each of you um, who are listening. I assured you at the beginning that we would announce a winner for uh, those of you who have been willing to give us a review on your podcast app. I would love for you to continue to do that. That just helps us to understand a little bit better about our listeners so that we can provide the content that you're looking for, the content that you need. Uh, but we want to announce today's winner uh, for a sanctuary surprise box delivered to your front doorstep. And that That is 12 Praise Him. I don't have a name, but that was the user's review and wanted to just have you contact us directly. In fact, if you'll go to our website at sanctuaryministrywives.com and hit contact and let me know who you are and that you are our review winner, we'll be happy to get that package to you in the mail as quickly as possible. Again, our winner is 12 Praise Him. And we look forward to hearing from you Thanks so much again for being with us today. We love it. If you would find us on Facebook, we do have a Let's Talk with Sanctuary Facebook page, and that's where we share a lot of content that you can share on your social media. Be blessed, and we'll look forward to seeing and being with you again in just a few weeks.